0: Welcome to the Manology Project Podcast. I am your host, Quentin Crumby. And on this channel, we're going to be discussing what true manhood looks like as we understand our value, our identity, and our purpose as men using godly principles. Now let's get to it. Yo, welcome back to the Manology Podcast, where I'm your host, Quentin. And I got my boy on here as a co-host today, Mr. Terrence Perrier. What's up, big dog? What's going on? What's going on? Nothing much, man. And fellas, you know what we're doing here, man. We talk about all things about men, how we can improve ourselves, uh, basically around all of our values and our principles and our identity. And you get the drift, man. But basically, we want to really lace it all with God's principles. And what did the Bible say really about how we should conduct ourselves as men? Uh, And so today's topic Yes, it is a repeat because I wanted to get a different perspective on this topic. And so this time I got my boy Terrence to join me, and we're going to dive into another round of how to lead our families as Christian men. Uh, Once again, this was a topic that was uh, submitted to me by one of my listeners. And uh, I think it's a dope topic. I think the world is going crazy right now, uh, trying to cancel what a real man is. I mean, would you say that to you? It's like...
1: Yeah, can- cancel culture is trying to monopolize um, what's acceptable, what, what culture will accept and what, whatever is trending, whatever people say is okay today and that'll change tomorrow. And sometimes we're, we're bending our will to meet the preference of culture and we just completely miss out on the opportunity to really embody those those higher principles that should uh that should govern our life. So
0: yeah. And and the thing is this, I know that it's very hard sometimes to be a man because it is extremely tough to be a husband, to be a father, you know, or to be just a man in general. Uh the the demands on us is extremely high. Uh but that's how God created us, man. We have the authority, we have the power, we have the might, but now we have to make sure how do we position ourselves? So that's what we're going to start with, basically, is what does the, before we even dive into all the commentary, you know, can we, yeah. we get, we get drifty on the commentary, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we are a Christian young men. So we want to at least kind of lace the beginning of this with the way that God pretty much says that we should be as men. Uh, so I just got like a whole bunch of Bible verses, uh, because basically there are probably like three or 400 verses that I could have used, uh, to be able to describe this. But the first thing, you know, we're both married men. So we're going to be talking, even if you're single, you can listen to this. The first thing I think that we have to understand that God said in Genesis 2 and 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. don't just shake your head, man. I know that you got So, (laughs) What does that uh, look like? I mean, this is literally like one of those first things, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah. That I think walking into fatherhood, walking to being a husband, um, this is like one of the first things that God tells us. So let's I want to hear your perspective on that leave part. So what are we leaving?
1: Yeah. And what you're leaving, it's like you're leaving the classroom to go to the workforce. Okay. You know what I'm saying so when you're entering when you leave and you are saying okay I'm entering into my own my family marriage and eventually children and fatherhood or it may be, it may be happening in a different order for some folks right but sometimes we're leave like we didn't develop in that space that we're leaving from so now we're coming into marriage or we may be coming into fatherhood underdeveloped. And so I think sometimes before we even leave, we need to assess what baggage am I leaving with? Like, did I pack my suitcase with integrity? Did I pack my suitcase with leadership? Because if you didn't, it's like you hopping on a plane with no luggage. Just like you're going right. to go somewhere. But how good is that journey going to be? Because the moment you right. get there, you can't sell into the room. You you can't go find the hotel. You right. got to go to CVS first. You got to go to the pharmacy yeah, because you didn't pack right. Right. And so I think when you leave, it means, first of all, before you commit yourself to a relationship and put your underdeveloped self as a burden on, on some woman or your children, you need to make an assessment. What is my plan? What do I want to bring to marriage? What do I want to bring to father? Make that assessment. Now, sometimes you can't make that assessment because life happens and right. maybe you jumped into something prematurely. But at some point you have to assess what am I bringing? Right. Because what we have a tendency to do is start saying what she needs to do, and what these kids need to do. But we don't right. assess what am I bringing. Right. You know, wh- who do I want to be?
0: OK, so now dude, you, you said a lot there. So I'm going to back up before we even move on. All right. So okay. getting on this plane without no luggage. Yeah. Is- that's That's a good metaphor right there. Yeah. Even better metaphor is that once you actually get to your destination, then you're running around hitting Walgreens and then CVS and then you had to get target. Yeah. And so when I look at those as metaphors, I look at that as how many people that you are now not trying to cherry pick information off to, to build this whole person of your own self. Uh, and a lot of the times uh, you know, and we're talking about a Christian man and a lot of people want to say that they're Christians. A lot of people put themselves in this perspective. Right. Uh, but the only way you can really truly be one of God's is that you actually have to yield yourself and humble yourself to his word. Right. So you got to do what his word says do. You can't do what you want to do and then call it gospel. Uh, it doesn't really work like that. So yeah. when you're talking about leaving and then that is probably the most important part of, uh, of the Christian man's development is what happens before the leave. And then what happens during the, while you're leaving um, just to kind of pinpoint that we are probably around 78, 82% of our young men don't even have fathers in their home. Mm-hmm. So right there, we're already mass producing young men who are already uh at a disadvantage as far yeah. as how do I actually carry myself and carry this authority that God has given me the right way uh you always gave you gave me a really good sound advice about authority and I'm going to let you tell me what was it again about the authority if you misuse it what did you say it was I forget uh, I don't remember what I said I may have said something like if you if you
1: mismanage your authority yes um, it, it it can be abusive. It can be detrimental. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. If you mismanage your authority, then it becomes abusive. It becomes reckless. It becomes yeah. so. Basically, that's what happens. Is that we want to be able to find ourselves? Though, how do we first of all understand the authority that God has given us as men? Uh, and I know the finger point at our wives is the easiest way to deflect that we just don't know what we're doing, you know? Yeah. The the (laughs) biggest
1: thing as a, like when you make that assessment as a man, the first thing that stands out is like accountability. Right. Knowing that what I enter into as far as marriage and family, I'm accountable for so much. And then we have to take ownership of that accountability because if we don't, it's like, we won't show up with a sense of maturity. Like, so basically as men, we walk heavy, you have to understand that, right? You know, if if I say something, if I do something, it creates the culture, it, it, it shapes the rules. Like this is it's the leadership of a man. And if you don't know that you walk heavy, that means you don't speak with intention, you just say anything, you just do anything, and right. so you make that assessment. Do you have that sense of accountability saying, I gotta be careful of what I say, careful of what I do, careful of the message that I'm sending, But this is what love looks like. This is what marriage looks like. This is what Uh like like you're 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 casting a shadow. You're you're telling your family with intention, this is the direction I want our family to go. Of course, you get the buy-in from your spouse and your children. You you come to agreement, but you kind of lead that conversation. You initiate it by saying, hey, we have to have some structure. We have to have some rules or we have to have some boundaries. Like you you lead that conversation, you initiate it because that's what leadership is, because you're accountable to make sure that it happens. Right, even if you're not like a, a an aggressive person or someone who takes initiative naturally, but still part of you says, But whoever takes the initiative, I'm accountable to make sure that it gets done. We have to have a vision for our family, right? There has to be something a governing principle that we
0: all follow. That man, that's just what I was gonna say, right? I was gonna say it right when you ended, but that's exactly what it is. So, what is that governing principle, right? Uh, the governor, governing principle basically states that, uh, I mean, the governing principle basically is that even though we're leaders, we're headships, uh, we, you know, God has given us the authority to be able to to create this space for our families to dwell and to be cultivated and stuff. But there's a ranking order, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the first position from this leave, when we're leaving our mothers and our fathers to be able to be with family, a family or wife, or and this even goes for business or whatever you're doing, when you're leaving to say, Man, I'm an adult and I'm about to get busy in the world to try to go find this purpose, uh, God just asks that His men that He put on the earth do one thing first, which is build a relationship with Him. Absolutely. You can't go into this world to drive yourself and, and push towards some purpose without, without some type of leadership. Right. Um, God is positioned where the head, the man is head of the wife, you know, the head, wife and the husband, the wife and the, the, the wife, the wife and the husband are of course the heads of the children, but God also puts a nice little smooth, little <laughs> smooth little comma there before he even get to them and say, but over you, Big fella. I'm the head of you. Uh, And that is where I think we want to be able to rest in uh before we even go any further is what mm-hmm. does this relationship with Christ looks like? So Proverbs three, four, three verses five and six basically talks about us trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. And we know what follows after that. So you do not even got to be a Bible thumper to understand that trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then the next part is where I think a lot of us get knocked in the head, which is leaning not to our own understanding, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do not lean to your own understanding. And then all in all his your ways, acknowledge him. And then he'll do one great thing for you. <laughs> he'll direct yeah. your path. So that's what we're really trying to get as men of that we're trying to figure out a way, how do we trust in the Lord. Yeah, you, you trust in the Lord basically because you don't start leaning to your own understanding. If you stop leaning on your understanding and you lean on with God's word, then the trust with God will start to develop. That's yeah. why I like that verse to lead off. Then you can go yeah. right into the first Chronicle. I'm going to let you jump right in here because I want to give you two verses and then you can you can get give me that info. The first Chronicles 1611 says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. So these are two pieces. First of all, we got to get rid of our own understanding and find the source that can actually provide us with the proper wisdom to be able to actually be the right type of man, uh, to be able to lead a wife, to be able to lead a family, to be able to lead and own a business that's productive and, 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 uh, and purposeful when we're in there. And then the second piece is that, well, that first piece will then draw you into the second one, which is his presence continually. If you're in that zone where you're trying to lean into God's uh, counsel, that time you spend would then develop into being in his presence continually. Yeah. So I mean, go ahead. Th- those
1: two And those two scriptures really break down that first step. Number one, your life has to be yielded. It has to. So a- as a man, I can only f- lead as well as I followed. So what are you following? So whether you grew up with a father in the home or maybe you didn't at some point. You've acknowledged that God is the head of my life. And so that mentors you. That relationship will father you. Even the Bible says, like, if your mother and father forsake you, God said, I'll receive you. So at some point in time, your life is yielded. Not to right. my own understanding. I got to realize that I have to bring God into my life and not to lean on what I know, because that's limited. But and knowing when I yield my life to him, he's going to provide some direction for me. And that's not right. a one time event. The next scripture you pointed out is that continuation of that yielding. Right. and that seeking God. Because right. what that does is, as a man, that develops me. Because right. before you can be a good man, you got to be a good person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Before I can be a good husband, you got to be a good person. I have to right. be someone who, who values kindness, who values right. integrity, who values honesty. And so yielding to God brings that into my heart and into my mind. that, I'm drawn to those things, not because I'm a husband or a father, because I'm a good person, not right. a perfect person, but I'm devoted and committed to being the best version of me I can be. And then you husband and father from that place, right? Because, you know, it's integrity. I'm doing it because my father, God requires this level of living out of me. And I bring that integrity into a man, a marriage. So when I leave my mother, my father, I got to make sure I'm staying yielded to God. So he checks me. He, 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 um, the Holy spirit will lead and guide me. It keeps me on point. And then I have to continuously seek his presence, to stay there. It's like plugging in my charger or my phone. Like it, it, it charges me. You can't just right. charge your phone one time and use it for a lifetime. Not because that battery will drain. And so it's right. like once I've gone into his presence, life has a way of draining. You know, So I have to stay plugged in. I have to stay connected. Right. So first I have to yield my life to God
0: yep.
1: and then I have to continually seek his presence to say, am I, am, am, I, am I growing? Am I developing? So I need to be a good person. I need to have a good heart. I need to have a, a wisdom about myself. And that process, that accountability, I bring that to marriage. I bring that to family. Because right. if I don't do that, if I just have my Bible and go to church, but my life isn't yielded, it's like you might as well be a, sitting in the garage. It doesn't make you a car. So I can go to the church, but my heart still wants to go to the strip club because right. my life isn't yielded to certain principles. Or right. I may want to do certain things with my family, but I'm not disciplined in my budget. So everything goes back to the person I want to be. And that person is a person that's yielded to God because you can't do without that. Right. You may get close
0: on a good day, but without God, I I don't know how one would do it. (laughs) Right. Well, I think it's really just being able to be consistent. I I think that you can't be consistent without God's presence. I think that that's uh, and, you know, me and you, we talk about that a lot. Right. When we first met, my first thought was is if you're a man and your whole life has been like this, all these bleeps in there. The first thing you have to do is rid the bleeps, all those ups and downs in your life. The first thing you got to do is get rid of those. Well, the only way you're really going to be able to erase that is it has to be erased by the person that will actually forget about the stuff that you've done, you know, and the only person that's going to do that is Jesus. That's what the blow is all about. It's all about erasing and forgetting. I I won't even remember it. You come to me. You ask me to come in when I do a wash through and a clean through. (laughs) No one will ever remember this. And I hope that you would not allow the enemy to keep bringing it up so that you can keep falling prey to him. But when God does, when Jesus does a, a, a complete wash, there is, there is a wash. Now, the the worst part of this, <laughs> and, and I hate to even say this, right, because I know some people are you know, Bible thumpers. They might look at me weird, but is that the enemy still has this access to continue to punch on you with past stuff, what you used to do, why you're not doing it. This didn't do this right. This didn't happen when you didn't do it, when you thought you did it, you didn't serve God. Right. And when you didn't do it right, then you didn't do this. And so that is always there. Right. And we know this to be true because that's literally what Paul discussed quite a bit in Romans is basically, man, when I'm trying to do the right stuff, the evil thoughts, of not doing or whatever the case may be are always right there. He's like, they're present. Like I'm going to do the right thing. And the evil stuff is like right next to it. Like, nah, brother, look at me still. I'm still pretty dope. Do me. And Paul literally fights that pretty much all through Romans. Then he go on to teach the, you know, those churches how to present themselves properly before Christ so that you don't have to fall to the evil or the wickedness that's trying to get there. Second of all is that you just don't really understand how wicked your heart is. You know, we, we think because we go to church and we read our Bibles and we're on our group texts with people and we send out scriptures every morning and, uh, and this is going back to what you said, right? You, you're doing all these things, but you're not, (laughs) the real you is not even yielded to Christ. So now you've picked up these religious tactics to trick people to think that you're doing one thing when you're really not. Um, and and I'm, I'm
1: a, gonna tell you why that's a setup. <laughs> because <laughs> it is, And this is real, because even as a Christian dude, and this this is honest, when a Christian dude has it in his heart, you starting your day with the Lord and you yielded and you're trying to be as consistent. As, so here's the thing even when you're inconsistent, God is really good at forgiving and God is really good at holding no records of wrong. That's his template for love. God right. is really good at that. We're trying to get there as people. So if you mess up, right. God will forgive you we will hold it against you. And you may even forgive yourself. But if you made your wife mad or if you hurt your kids' feelings, it's like their f- process of forgiving you can make you feel away. And so they're trying to forgive the fact that I'm always asking you to do this. You never do that for this. Like those words, as much as you, you want to serve God as a man, that chips away at that ego because we, we like praise. We like to be told what we're doing well. We like right. to be in love, respect. You know, We love right. affection and love. We like um, um, respect. And so when, right. when people are telling men what they're not doing, it's chipping away at that respect. Right. And that's where you feel that struggle of. It's the stimulus of falling back or it's the stimulus of not feeling value, not being appreciated. Why do men spend their money on dumb stuff? Why do men cheat? Why do men do these things? Because they were vulnerable because they've been chipped away at by somebody they've disappointed. And right. it could be your family it could be your wife it could be your boss but they told you you wasn't the you wasn't the man that day and they, they told you about yourself and that puts you in a space where it's like you stop hearing God and you start listening to your feelings of offense right <laughs> and then from that place you right. go to work feeling that way you go into the gym feeling that way and it's like you got to do something to, to build that back up and that's right. when you have to yield to that integrity and have God remind you because if, if you if enough of that negativity gets in your ear, You start hearing God less, and you start hearing your ego and your pain more. And then you make decisions from that space, and then that's when you become inconsistent because you took your mind off Christ. You took your mind off that standard, and now you're out of your element. And so in order to get pulled back, you have to, again, yield yourself to God and have that humility. Because when you get out of that, you're just listening to whatever is talking to you. And it could be deceptive. It could be someone who said the wrong thing. Thing to you that day because they were in a bad space, but right. now you don't heard something. And you, you see what I'm saying? And so it's like, if you make a mistake or if you're inconsistent, you open up a door for somebody to be critical of you. And then when right. you hear that right. criticism, it puts you in a place and you don't have the <laughs> discipline necessary to say, but, right. but God said, but before right. you get to that spiritual part of who you are, the flesh is like, doesn't like being criticized. Wow. The flesh doesn't like not being the hero. And so <laughs> a man who wasn't spiritually mature, It's stimulated by how he feels. And the moment you say something, he don't want to hear, he's going to act in a way that's out of character. He's going to say something he shouldn't say. He's going to do something he shouldn't do because he was mad or because I was hurt or because I felt disrespected. You see how it gets you all out of whack.
0: Right. And the thing is, I look at our culture today and I'm, I'm very puzzled uh, that a lot of men are extremely sensitive in those areas. Um, You know, when you look back, man, back in the day, you know how, you know, the the, the men of old, man, they were just, you know, rough and tough, you know, no, no, no lotion on the elbow type guys. You know what I'm saying? Don't give me no Vaseline. Don't give me no baby oil. I'm I'm out. But now, man, these guys are manicured up and they're getting eyebrow tweezed, And I mean, now everything is so sensitive around a man. I am very puzzled that, um. That we're not strong enough to actually walk in the complete authority that God gave us, meaning that as the foundation of a of, of family, uh, you're going to take all the blunt work. Right. The foundation takes right now I'm in the basement of my house and these walls down here is the foundation for upstairs. And man, they're taking a beating. We're walking around. We got dog running around. And, and they're just taking a beating all day, man, but they don't even move. They don't complain. They don't say nothing. They just hold the house up. And so what God is actually expecting us as men is you're not leading basically from the top of your family. You're leading from the bottom of your family because basically you're the foundation for them to actually stand on. All their strength is basically going to come from us. Your wife, as strong as she will be, is as strong as you will be. That's what it is. And then if you don't think I'm telling the truth, I'm gonna read two scriptures because you know you got to back it up with some we can't just be on here talking if we don't have no word to back it up. but First Corinthians 16 and 13 says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. act like men, be strong. So don't take my word for it. The word is telling you that as men, you got to be watchful, you got to be firm in the faith. So there's two things. Big T was talking about that. How firm are you in that faith? How consistent you are in the faith? Uh, you know, are you letting anybody be able to chip away at who you are so that I have you doing silly and dumb things? Right. Then the second part is really just act like men. Today's culture is going against this. This is how you know that the culture is all jacked up, because now our men are wearing Every color in the rainbow. All the men have their ankles out. All the men are wearing basically leggings for everything. Blue jeans are super tight. A suit now is like super duper tight. Everything is tight. And that's just culture just trying to tell you that there's a new way to be a man. And not only the, the, of course the world is going to buy into it because they don't know, you know, they don't know no better. They, they're just, they're following the, they're following the wide road. But what behooves me is that the church does the exact same the culture is doing. So we're bringing all that same stuff right into the body of Christ. And I'm like, uh, it's supposed to be actually a line that actually separates the world. supposed to look at the church and see a difference. Yeah. If the world doesn't look at the church and see a difference, then we have done a disservice. If the world, if a worldly a man that's out there doing his own thing, you know, doing whatever he's big and bad to do, if he's walking next to me and we're chit chatting and we and we become friends, you know, and 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 I'm talking to him and trying to show him, you know, what the way God has shown me to be and to be,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he should be able to look at me and say, "Dude, you are a different dude." Like, he should be able to look at me and say that, man you are salt in other words right salt is more of a a churchy word so you know i <laughs> but you know i, I want to be churchified but it was like the world should be able to look at you and and tell you that i i remember being at the gym and i'm working out man and hitting it hitting it hitting it and i've been going there for maybe about a year and a half and um a young dude just came up to me man i'm hitting it and he just came up to me and was like hey man i just want to ask you a question i'm like what's up he was like are you like a saved dude or a pastor or something? And I'm like, well, why would what would make you ask a question like that? And he was like, because man, I watch everybody that come in here, man. So the young guy, he he worked there, but he worked out there. Uh, but he was like, man, I watch a lot of guys that come in here, man. He say, and I'm not sure on how you can come in here every day, and you don't look at no girls, you don't try to talk to no girls. I don't see you doing absolutely nothing. Now he knows that I'm married. So it's mm-hmm. not like he has this prophecy, like, you know, he's a prophetic, like you not. no, he know, he see me coming there with my wife, but I go in there a lot of times without Melissa. So to him, it was like, wow, I see other guys in here with their wife, but then I see them without their wife is basically what he started telling me. And he's like, I can't believe that you don't do any of that. He's a man. You know, these ladies, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I was like, well, it's not that I don't see beautiful women it's that I've now conditioned myself and conditioned my heart according to God's word.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not me. They don't come over here and think that I, this fleshly Quentin is strong enough to, to, to not be caught up in vulnerable with temptation. It's just that I've literally conditioned myself with God's word. Yeah. So I'm convicted when I come in, I'll be I'm convicted if I get, if I were to get caught up into all of that other foolishness because of my condition, because of my continual, uh, that continuation of trying to put myself in position with Christ so that I can have that conviction. I want the conviction. I want to have somebody, I want the Holy Spirit to be able to slap me around and I actually hear him when he when he's talking to me. So you know to him it was just like you know you know what's up with this then now he's looking like why I mean you know by you know being saved because
1: because you're consistent.
0: And that's what it was and that's what he basically at the end of all of it that's what he told me was like dude it's been like a year and I'm like (laughs) <laughs> this dude come in and he is like so consistent. I'm like, dude, you do your workout for 90 minutes and then you're out of here. He said, it's like no lingering. He's I don't see you sitting around trying to show girls how to pick up this and do this. Yeah. Like never. And he said, and my point is, is Christians you're being, everybody is always being watched. And the thing is that when someone comes up to you to ask you why you're not doing something, it should, That should happen. You should never be walking through this world and no one actually looks at you and say that you're a different person. Yeah. Something about you is different. So when we're looking at men, if you fit right into the culture, no one is ever gonna think that you're anything different. You're gonna just look like the culture, you talk like the culture, you everything about you just fits right to the culture, but you're looking like, nah man, I love God. And they're like, But I can't see God because all I see is you trying to blend in with this culture. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is, is that when I look at this uh, first Corinthians 16 and 13, I'm like, so be watchful, which means keep guard up, man. Keep your eyes shifting around, look and see what's going on, which puts us in a protective state. Standing firm in the faith basically just means consistently I'm going to do it God's way. Yeah, I'm going to do it God's way. And when I do that, it puts me in the right frame of mind to actually be and act like a man. which then requires me to actually be strong. And so the strength is what I'm going to get into. I got one more scripture. I'm going to let you comment about this. But then First Timothy 3 and 2 says, therefore, overseer must be above reproach. Matter of fact, I'm just going to do A. I'm going (laughs) to let you talk. We're going to do B, the B part of it. (laughs) It's very important, men, that we live above reproach. I am a strong preacher of I do not care about all the other stuff. What are you doing? Are you above reproach? Don't tell me what your wife is doing and why she's doing what she's doing. I want to know why you're not doing what you're supposed to do. There's things that we as men are supposed to do that will activate other people around us to do what they're supposed to do. You can't ask other people to do something when you're not the forerunner to do it first. And that's what I look at when I say overseers. And I know that you could take overseer and take it as pastors. and, and But the word of, Lord, word of God actually says your first ministry is your family. So mm-hmm. I take every man as an overseer of their family. So you need to be living above reproach. That way your wife will actually believe that God's word works. Your yeah. kids will look at you. You won't have to do much because they're going to look and say, man, God, we're really work because dad doesn't yell, cuss, drink. He doesn't tell us about church and take of the church. And then we see him doing a whole bunch of other stuff. That's what living above reproach means that your your inside self is the same as your outside self. Mm-hmm. If I ask your wife, yeah. what do you do on a regular basis? And she tell me you somebody different, then there's a problem.
1: Or, or even if they say, he cuts less and he's getting better at it. Like if it because I I'm one who cuts <laughs> less, and so here's the thing be real with you right now, because here's the thing: if you make mistakes, at least let your family see you growing and getting mature and saying my dad is better today than he was yesterday. That's and I don't want people to get the idea that I have to be above reproach today if you haven't been, because then that sends a mixed message, like, okay, that's hypocrisy. But if you can go to your kids and say, No, I apologize. I shouldn't have been watching that movie with a lot of cussing. You know what? You're right. I'm going to modify that. So if you you do make mistakes, at least teach your children that you're a man who could acknowledge his mistakes and grow from it. And I want to put that out there because it's important that your kids see you grow from mistakes as well because your kids know when something is wrong. They it do. Something that's <laughs> off, and they'd be like, Dad, at church, they said this, but I heard the song using them to the radio. And, and, and so it's incorrect. And what do we do? We justify it. Well, no, it's different because I'm grown.
0: Right. I'm, <laughs> well, that's our favorite go to is I'm grown.
1: Just on the fact that you've shown them something and if they brought it to your attention, you just say they're watching me. How do I respond to that? So maybe right. it's like, you know what? You know what? You're right. Maybe I, you know, I'm gonna work on that. I'm not, you know, I did raise my voice at that employee, or I did cut somebody out who cut me off on the highway. You know what? Dad's gonna work on his temper. You know, so if you make a mistake, let your children see you grow from that mistake, right? Because that's a good lesson too, right?
0: That's the but the thing is, is that, and I'm glad you did that. That's why you gotta. That's why I like to have. Uh, two people on here to talk, right? Because, and I'm you, but that's real though. Because it is, but the, I like the because- Yes. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah,
1: because I know a lot. Of- <laughs> it is funny when we chop it up because you'll say uh how you are, and I'm like, I'm like the before picture of that because my kids have seen me cuss at somebody on the highway. My kid, but right. they've also seen me repent and right. apologize and acknowledge wrong and grow from and say, you know what, Dad used to do, and he don't do, and he said God helped him change. Now they know if they're struggling with something, which they do. They right. don't clean their room. They be lying, stinking Halloween candy. So when they get right. caught making a mistake, they right. know how to go to God and say, I made a mistake and I'm a, God, I see my dad make it, get it right. I know I can get it right. So when you grow and you make a mistake, what do I do? Now you're struggling with guilt and condemnation think God don't love you. Now you learn at a young age when you make mistakes, you confess your sins, maybe one to another. Maybe come talk to dad and mom about what